Welcome to Brew Success Radio, the podcast that brings you the most up-to-date information on training, nutrition, lifestyle and business with your host, Helda Barroso. What's going on guys? Coach HB in the house for episode 13 of the Breathe Success Radio. Hope you're enjoying uh, all the episodes so far. If you haven't yet listened to the previous episodes, please go back and listen to them. And of course, subscribe and share as much as you can. Let's grow this together. Today on the podcast, I have James Collier. Uh, James Collier is the co-founder of the brand Huel. Uh, it, Huel is, is a, a food brand. Uh, they pretty much um, started up this brand in terms of wanting to have a product on the market that was almost like a a full complete food but in powder form. Um, So I've not tried the product myself. I think James after the podcast is going to be sending uh, a few uh, samples for me to try it but I've heard very good stuff about Hill. James has been involved in a number of projects. Um, he was a co-owner uh, of the successful bodybuilding and fitness website Muscle Talk. Uh, I'll obviously put the links to all of this in the show notes. He's a renowned nutrition consultant. Uh, he provides professional dietary advice. He's written a huge amount of articles for media, consumer press and websites. He's been spoken in seminars in a number of countries. Uh, along uh, other health promoting activities, James also works as a clinic uh, worked as a clinical clinical dietitian in the NHS for several years, and he has a degree in nutrition from the University of Surrey, and is now a registered nutritionist as well. So great conversation. We've touched on a lot of points. We also touched a little bit on the current situation with COVID, mask wearing, um, and. Uh, also, one of my favorite parts of the podcast, which was the, the fact that he doesn't believe in calorie counting. And of course, if you know anything about me, you know I do. So I hope you enjoy the show. Let's get into it and uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have with me James Collier. Now, I've known James now for quite a few years. Um, I met James probably 15 years ago, I would say, um, in the bodybuilding world. Back in the day when I was training with the the big bodybuilder, Darren Ball from Leicester. Some of you guys have probably heard of Darren. Um, And uh, James and Darren had some kind of um, a relationship going on in terms of bodybuilding. And I met James through, through, through Daz. Um, and then from then on, you know, I, I spoke to James several times. He started with Muscle Talk, which is a fantastic forum back in those days, if you were involved in bodybuilding, that James created. And then, you know, we, we just got involved through that. It was all to do with bodybuilding, really, back in those days. Um, myself and James have evolved hugely since then. And I have actually seen James for about 10 years, I think it's been. Um, so I'm going to actually let James introduce himself now a little bit more about who he is and what he's currently doing so you guys have a bit more of an insight. So James, why don't you introduce yourself and let people know who you are. Hi Helder, thanks for having me on here and good to catch up again after a time. Yeah, um, we had some 
few training sessions back in the day, if I remember. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, thanks for the uh, introduction. Um, some people may, may originally know me uh, through musletalk.co.uk, which I, I was involved with for over 18 years. It's coming up to its 20th year now. Previously, it was a forum for the majority of its life, a very successful bodybuilding and fitness discussion forum. Um, we started that in um, 2000. Um, it, the website's still running now, but we, we closed the forum a uh, year, year or 18 months ago, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I'd already stepped away from it um, about a year prior to that. So Jason, who, who, who started it with me, uh, runs the website on his own now. It just was a lot of high, hard work you know, for yes. in the latter days for not so good return that we had during its heydays. So um, I was also, during that period, I was quite heavily involved in the bodybuilding scene in the UK. Um, promoted shows with the UK BFF a few times at the Muscle Talk Championships. Um, and I worked with a number of uh, bodybuilders and strongmen, like Darren Bull, who you, you've mentioned, um, and Terry Holland, strongman as well, and a few other names. Um, and it was, it was great, really enjoyed it. Um, at the same time, I was running my consultancy, which I started in 1999. Yeah. which was doing um, any sort of, because my back, maybe I should rewind. I've, I've gabbled on here. And my background is nutrition and dietetics. I did a degree many, many years ago um, in nutrition and dietetics. And I worked in the health service for several years before mm. I started Muscle Talk and my, consult, my consultancy. So the background's in nutrition. Um, and then I, so I started the consultancy, which I just used the name Healthy Action to run. Um, and um, used to take projects which are mainly face-to-face uh, -face or online dietary advice. Yeah. Um, we did other projects, did a lot of seminars and talks, did writing, anything really I could get my hands on. A lot I've worked with care homes, nursing homes, did meal plans there. Amazing. Uh, and it, it was great, but the two of them together, Muscle Talk and uh, Healthy Action, as well as a few other ventures that perhaps weren't so successful as those two, um, yeah. uh, I, I kept me really, really busy for, um, sort of uh, many years and then um, through Healthy Action in uh, middle of 2014 I got an email um, from a guy called Julian Hearn who um, who's got this great idea for this product called Huel you can see on my t-shirt that uh, we, we, we named Huel afterwards he got this great idea for a nutritionally complete product did I want to sort of come up and help him develop develop this, uh, this product which is nutritionally complete powdered food so basically um, if anyone wants to hear more about Julian, uh, who's the main founder of Fuel, he, you get loads of podcasts on, on YouTube and other podcast platforms. Worth having a Google. He's got a very interesting background. Brilliant. So he's already a, a successful guy. He's um, an entrepreneur. Um, and he came, he, this was one of his ideas. And it was a good idea. And I, so I did the project for him. He, he got paid. It was, it was a, a nice little project. And then for the next 12 months, we sort of worked together ad, ad hoc now and again. Try and develop this we tried to find people to blend it for us and in june 2015 we launched fuel which was nutritionally complete powdered food and we're now over five years on and we are one of the if not the fastest growing company of all types in the uk amazing um, very successful and um so julian's founder i'm co-founder we've got now over 110 employees globally with an office yeah yes in five years and six weeks i think um, which is good, um, it's great. And we're recruiting hard even during these strange times. Brilliant. Um, we've got a number of products. We've got the bar, we've got the ready to drink. Um, 
got different versions of the powder and a, and a few other items as well. I've got some really cool stuff that I can't talk about, but coming um, in autumn and then again for January. So yeah, that keeps me really busy now. So also worth mentioning due to the, the bodybuilding uh, link is around the same time as I started Huel, um, I started the, the PCA, the Physical Culture Association with, yeah. um, with Warren Dyson and um, Ryan, Ryan Alexander. And at that point, Simon Fan and Michael and Lisa Gelsey as well. We started the PCA and, and that's gone from strength to strength. And two years ago, two and a half years ago, I had to say to, to Warren and Ryan, guys, you know, I really love this, but I haven't got the time to put into it. Yeah. I'm not pulling my weight. Mm. I need to step to one side and let you guys. And, uh, but can I keep my foot in the door, please, and, and keep on being the promoter for the Muscle Talk show? And obviously I have been up until this strange year when all the shows have been cancelled due to this yes. COVID problem the world's got. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been doing that and that's just, I still enjoy that. I love it. But I'm, other than that now, I'm kind of out of the bodybuilding world and work in the food world instead. Yeah, so and that's, uh, that's a big background. That's, that's a, a pretty intense background, to be honest. Okay. So your um, Huel, is that, is that short for human fuel? Yeah, support manteau for, for human fuel. Um, Julian came up with it, so um, I love that. it's great. It's great. I remember when he, he was brainstorming me before, and they had a few. Um, it, it, one of them, we actually did a, a podcast uh, for the fifth birthday, me and him just talking to the social distancing around the table. Yes. And um, he, he brought up the Hibble, which was originally going to be going to call it. Like it was because right. it, it was Kibble, it was an old-fashioned food or something. Kibble, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, and then human, but it didn't really work, or even. Yeah. So came up with and I said, yeah, that works. And he was great. I think that's a great name, especially when you know the meaning behind it. It's even better. Yes, it is. It's human fuel. So it's all about being nutritionally complete. So I wanted to ask you a question in regards to that. So we both know the supplement world is massively saturated at the moment with, mm -hmm. with supplements from protein shakes to whatever, right? Bars. So what would separate Huel from the usual, you know? training supplements, whey protein yeah. powders, and all that kind of stuff? Well, Huel is not a supplement. Huel is food. It's legally classified as a food, and it is a food. It's, it's, it's a meal. It's not a meal replacement either. But, and that's what we commonly refer to as a meal replacement. Yes. We don't like that term. Um, because you wouldn't say one night, I'm, um, I'm going to, rather than having steak and chips, my meal replacement tonight is going to be a pizza. Mm. You would have either steak or chips. Or Absolutely. Yes. Or Huel. So that's yes. the way we look at it. But obviously the concept of powdered food is quite relate, you know, a lot in common with a lot of supplements. So let me explain what fuel is. I think it's important maybe um, that your um, your listeners can can get their head around it. So um, a lot of a lot of people probably heard it already. If they're watching you, they're probably interested in in healthy living, so they might well have heard it um, out of it. So fuel is nutritionally complete. So it has all the nutrition you need. Now we we design it at two thousand calories. So that's the sweet spot where we meet certain levels of every nutrient. Now they at least meet the recommended daily amount for, for those nutrients, depending on the, the region that we sell in, yeah. which, which is Europe, North America, and Japan at the moment. Okay. Um, and uh, at least, but obviously, you know, things like vitamin C, vitamin D, the, the RDAs like need to be higher. So yeah. if there's sound science behind a higher level or a reason for some other reason then it will have more but it's, it's more than that as well so that's the vitamins and minerals but we also make sure we hit certain points on omega-3s essential fatty acids 
Um, protein, it's got to be complete protein. So the high scoring. All the essential amino acids. Yeah, all of them, but also uh, on the PDC AAS scoring system, it'll be a perfect score. Okay. Then, so that good fats, um, carbs as well for energy. We put MCTs in, medium chain triglycerides, which so if anyone doesn't, doesn't know what they are, they're a fat, um, technically, technically speaking, um, rather than long chain triglycerides, which are regular fats. Medium These chain. are as medium chain, um, but they, the body treats them a bit like carbs. So they're, they're a energy dense um, form of, of energy. Um, then, um, and we've also got some phytonutrients as well, which are all the good stuff from plants. Uh, fiber, soluble fiber, and insoluble fiber. So products vary between them, but we're all nutritionally complete at 2000 calories. So we launched with original powder, that's improved over the years, but the core ingredients are the same. So the, the core ingredients of your um, powder, which you might be able to see someone behind me. Yeah, yeah, I can see the, that. The white pouch is um, oats, um, flaxseed, um, brown rice protein, pea protein, MCTs derived from coconut, and sunflower oil powder. So it's all vegan. Yeah, it's all vegan. Everything's vegan as well, which I was going to come to. Um, and, and we add that provides a, mostly nutrition, but there's some extra vitamins and minerals we need to add, as well as some phytonutrients. Yeah. So, yeah. So everything, everything's um, plant, 100% plant derived or, or um, vegan suitable and um, it's and that's uh, we make nutritionally complete powdered food with minimal impact uh, on animals in the environment uh, sorry affordable food yes. minimal impact on animals in the environment that's that's our mission statement yeah. so um, which is key and then the bar came out after a couple of years the original bar wasn't very nice I mean nutritionally it was good but it didn't taste great yeah, and we're actually on version 3.1 now, and we've cracked it. You can see a few of them there. Um, and and it's, it's, really, it's really good. Uh, 200 calories in a bar, still nutritionally complete at 2,000 calories. Brilliant. Um, and then we've got the ready to drink as well. Haven't got one of those to hand, unfortunately, but you can get these in a lot of retailers now. We've recently gone, re so in some Sainsbury's in the UK, um, and some BP stations and, and a few other places as well. Amazing. And we're also launching them in some French retail stores and in the New York, New Jersey area, I believe. Wow. I can't name who it is, I should know, sorry. We're just about to go there as well. Yeah, um, okay. And we've got some really cool new products, but they're all based around this nutritionally complete uh, and what that means. What does it take for a company to, to start from scratch five years ago to now all of a sudden you're in Sainsbury's, you're in the shell garages, you're going to Japan, you're going to New York. How do, how do you get from yeah. step A to step B? That's a really good question. So, yeah, that's yeah. You, <laughs> I know you it's too too much of a big answer to to, to give. No, up. but it's good. Let me. I can say. So Julian is a really interesting character. So the two of us have got a, a good relationship, although we do disagree and argue politely, <laughs> argue quite a bit. Um, uh, but that's good, I think, yes. because now he let's know. You know, he's the entrepreneur. Let's just get make that clear. So he's founder, I'm co-founder. The two of us started the company together, but. He, he came up with the idea. He, he, he put the initial investment in. Um, I developed, designed the formula, the recipe and the nutrition side of stuff. Um, he's a really, if you ever meet Julian, he's a really, um, if he is, I hope he won't mind me saying, but he's maverick in his, in his ways. It might and be a good idea to maybe get Julian on the podcast. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure he might be up for it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then he, um, he's, but he's very much business orientated. He comes from a marketing background. So he is, 
his founder, he, he was CEO when we were growing, but he found that that wasn't for him. Right. Not for me. So Julian, um, we, we, we recruited a new, uh, another CEO who's been with us three years now, I believe. Yeah. And James McMaster, another James, which does cause confusion sometimes. <laughs> and he came from the food industry. He's got a brilliant background as well. And he drives the company. And now we've got a very good senior team with a CFO, a COO. Um, we've got a lot of other directors, other head ofs, and then, um, and then a really good staff. So I think if I was going to answer your question a few moments ago about what does it take, people is the, is the succinct answer. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than that, but hiring good people. Now, our hiring process is quite arduous and takes a long time. We need people. We're recruiting, I think we've got about 12, 14 live roles at the moment. Since the beginning of lockdown, we've, we've hired 24, 25 Plus, we've got these other live roles. Um, if anybody's so, looking to apply for any jobs, where do they need to go? So go on the Hill website, Hill.com. There's a careers tab, and you can go there. All, all the live roles are there. So um, we've got, we, we need good people um, with a good skill set. So it takes a long time. Often they're in good job already, so they might be on 90 days. So by the time you've got someone, maybe you've, you, you, you've identified an urgency for a, for a position, yes. but it's four months before you've got that person. Uh -huh. That's a But then you've got that person. You've got them, you put them through a good um, recruitment process we've got two internal recruiters who just do recruiting for us so they know the company so we don't use recruitment agencies they don't know you they're not going to get the right people all the time um, and they're expensive but hiring full-time members of staff who do that do the whole onboarding process yeah that's really key to this of course um so yeah and we've got a good good range so julian answers like he says you know there's a little bit about a lot of things across the company mm. but no one thing maybe apart from marketing that he knows really well yeah, uh, and he's also in, uh, in marketing. He's very good on brand and very good on e-commerce and performance marketing. So there's a skill there. So he kind of knows what he wants. And then we've got James McMaster who drives the ship, and he's really good at, at keeping um, the staff motivated. Yeah. And then I sort of um, look at the, the nutrition side, which is you know our key value. Your background. Yeah, that's my background. And um, yeah, we've we do a lot. We, we try and keep the staff engaged. We're really we're, I'm going to say, we're a really cool, trendy company to work for. We've got really cool offices, which are a bit empty at the moment because everyone's not working there. We've got, home, yeah. we've got a gym gym there that we put in. I helped set up using my old contacts from my previous life. We've got, um, it's very spacious. We do a lot of fun stuff together, obviously not in these times, but we do a lot of social events. Um, there's a lot of staff perks. Um, and Where is your head office based? In Tring, in Hertfordshire. So it's quite away from me. Um, yeah. But it's, it's good. Then we've also got uh, another office in Birmingham where the development guys for the IT do their stuff. Okay. Um, and we've got an office in New York as well, which we've, we, we, we've shut and then we're going to reopen after lockdown with a newer, newer project. We're out, just about to outgrow it anyway. So yeah. closed it during lockdown. That's amazing how much, how much you've grown in five years is pretty. Yeah. And great. we have another, no, we had another satellite office in London. And again, we've closed that during lockdown because it was a rented space. And yeah. We'll reopen something when things are back to something normality. So, yeah. going from obviously your background of nutrition, um, are you a qualified uh, dietitian as well as nutritionist? Yeah, that's, I worked for seven years as a clinical dietitian in the National Health Service. Okay. Um, I'm no longer registered as a dietitian. I'm now a registered nutritionist with the okay. Association for Nutritionists. Um, I wanted to ask you the question: What got you into into that world? Into nutrition. That's a that's a great question. Um, growing up, two things, okay. Firstly, you hit 16, I started going, look, you know, I was always skinny, I was bullied a bit, 
I do form the stereotype of someone who started training. You know, I was bullied, didn't like it anymore, visited a gym, caught the bug, grew muscles, you know. And yes. then, you know, I just started my A-levels at the time. I took a year out after A-levels before I went to uni. But during that year at the beginning, I thought, well, I'm applying for uni. What, what do I want to do? Well, I want to do nutrition. Knowledge is power. Knowledge will give me bigger muscles. That was yes. it. But also, so that was 50% of my reasoning. The other was, um, growing up, when I was quite young, my mum was diagnosed with, with terminal breast cancer. And um, so this would have been, been about 1980. Um, when, yeah, just, yeah, about that time, so I was about eight, maybe nine. Um, and um, she, she was, you know, but she followed some alternative therapies, which I probably would question a bit now, mm. but nevertheless, it kept on a health, she was health focused, nutrition focused. There's a lot of conversation around the dinner table about some of the diet and, and nutrition and stuff. So I was growing up around it, mum was always reading books, always talking to me about it. Yes. Uh, um, um, she was given a few months to live, I believe, I was young at the time at that, but she lasted 11 years and she really? saw me go to start a nutrition degree at uni and she passed away at the end of my first year. So it was kind of cool that she saw me get there. That was her yeah. goal, watched, watched me yeah. grow up and get there. And, and so, maybe subconsciously that's what I wanted to be really good in in my career you know maybe, I don't know but yeah. it is you know that's a, a genuine story and um definitely 50 percent of the motivation but also the anything to get me bigger muscles bit as well yeah, yeah. and since becoming a, a dietitian nutritionist have you seen things changing from say the 1980s to where we are to where we are today yeah so I, well I started working well I started learning um 91 I started uni and I started working in in the NHS in 95 and um, things have changed a lot about them early back then probiotics were starting to be talk, talked about now they're still being talked about and nobody really knows what they're doing yeah. they in there um that was one thing but the whole saturated fat thing is the big one I have a problem with that one is that, um, was that prevalent when you started yeah and okay um I I like to challenge things. Okay, yeah. so maybe we'll talk about my other project in a moment, but let's finish off this bit first, but it's kind of relevant to bring in now. But I, a few years ago, I'm, I was taught at uni, you know, you follow the rules, you, you, you do CPD, continual professional development, you keep learning, you, um, you, you look at peer reviewed studies and you, and you follow the official guidelines and you teach that. And I probably did an okay job at it. Um, but then, you start looking at things in new science and you think, actually, I don't know if I agree with some of those. Mm. Um, did you hear that drilling then? Is that going to be a problem for you? No, it's absolutely no problem. Okay, sorry. Um, and then, um, yeah, so you might just might cut around this bit so I lost my flow. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, um, yeah, so I like to challenge things. And so I, I've looked at a few things, few official uh, guidelines. I don't know if they're right. And, one of them I've got an issue with is the saturated fat recommendations. Okay. Saturated fats, we're all told are bad for us. Mm. Okay. And I don't think that's the case. Yes. So the chemistry of, of, a, of a saturated fat is you can't oxidize it. Now, you probably know this, but maybe I should just explain for the benefit yeah, of please. the guys watching. So I'm not I'm trying to get too... Um, Scientific. Depth here, but tell me off if I do. How I so. When during the um, etiological process of, of cardiovascular disease, like heart disease or stroke, people may know that the, the, the blood vessels become occluded, they get narrower, and that's yeah. through the buildup of cholesterol, which is, mm -hmm. is correct. 
and it goes it goes so small that the blood can't flow the blood can't flow through very well yeah becomes occluded little clot forms becomes occluded and then that part shuts down if that affects the the heart or the brain then you get a, a heart attack or a stroke or yeah. fingers and toes peripheral peripheral vascular disease or other sort of type of ischemic heart disease um now cholesterol builds up um i mean in in the early days, we were all told to avoid foods with lots of cholesterol in them. Yes. But we really know that that's it's fairly inert in foods. Such as like egg yolks and things like that. Yeah. No, I don't have the yolks, I have the white instead. But it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Yes. It's, um, so we... Um, I've lost my line of thought. Let me rewind it. You were talking it's about... So, the, so, yeah, so we're told that. So high cholesterol in itself, high cholesterol level, has a high correlation with cholesterol building up in, in the blood vessels, which is true, okay? But the cholesterol is only a problem if it becomes sticky, okay? Now, what makes it sticky is when it becomes oxidized. So we all, we've all heard the term antioxidants, like yes. vitamin C, vitamin E, some of the phytonutrients, selenium, etc. Yeah, we're all told to have loads of those, and that's great advice. That's always stood, and it still stands today. Yeah. Um, antioxidants, they stop oxidation. So the benefit there is they try and slow down um, the oxidative damage, which in oxidation is a naturally occurring process, mm -hmm. but they, they try and slow it down and, and help buffer it. And without without antioxidants, we wouldn't be living very long. But the cholesterol becomes sticky through oxidation. Now, if it's saturated fats, they can't oxidize due to the chemical structure of them. Mm -hmm. So they they don't, to me, seem the issue. So we're, we're told about polyunsaturates and monounsaturates, and yep. the polyunsaturates is two principal types the omega-3s which the oily fish flaxseed chia seeds yeah. and the um and, and the omega-6s which is sunflower oil um some other nuts and seeds etc yeah. brilliant now we need both there's there's two essential fatty acids um there's alpha-linolenic acid which is an omega-3 and there's linoleic acid which is an omega-6 then we've got the semi-essential ones like the fish oils the epa and the dha but they they can be converted from ALA, but maybe I'll come back to that. Um, and then there's monounsaturates as well, which whilst aren't essential, like oleic acid, they do they are very useful, and a good intake of monounsaturates has been shown to keep your bad cholesterol down and your good cholesterol up. Yep. Okay, this is all true. But the problem is with all the unsaturated ones, they can oxidize, so you need to have them in the right form. So when you have a lot of fast food junk, shitty foods from your takeaway, where they reuse the, veg the cheap vegetable oils. They've been heated, cooled, heated, cooled, the same oil, used several times, maybe over the course of a week. Um, that is a lot of oxidation. So you're having oxi oxidized fats go in. Although you might be having a great intake of essential linoleic acid and the omega-6 I mentioned, the, it actually could be um, quite destructive. So this is where there's, so it's almost gone full circle. There's a bunch of people, especially in America, that think sunflower oil is bad for you because it's high in omega-6, especially linoleic acid. Mm. Um, and sunflower oil wrongly has a bad rap because people are consuming loads of cheap sunflower oil in their fast foods and it's been linked to heart disease through the mechanism I've just described. Yeah. However, if you have good raw sunflower seeds or um, sunflower oil that's untreated, um, that's good for you. Yeah. That's great. As long as you have it and you store it well, et cetera, et cetera. So I've kind of gone off topic here. Uh, I was talking no, about okay, that's, that's what it's all about. It's <laughs> so the thing is with saturated fats, other than giving you calories and energy, you don't really need them. It's very easy to eat a lot. So I, I can see <coughs> excuse me, the relevance of not wanting to encourage people to have 
behind that. I'm, I'm behind that. We shouldn't be encouraging saturated fats. But what I find weird, and, and I could be wrong, but I've yet to be demonstrated why I'm wrong in 28 years, okay, is that, um, that they are bad. Why do we call them out? Why are they picked on, you know, on, on the food labels? Why do we call them? Why is everyone obsessed by saturated fats? When to me, they're, they're not good, they're not bad, they just are. Now, I have had arguments with other nutritionists on this. There is evidence either way, but the evidence is, isn't conclusive on this. And, I, 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 and what's annoying, last year there was another official report on saturated fats saying that the advice still stays. In America, a similar, a similar um, report has just come out for the next five years. I've only briefly looked at a, an abbreviated version a few days ago. That was challenged in a, f a few months ago before um, lockdown. So I don't know, um, the, the official line is, we still watch them. Now, there's a conspiracy theory here, and it possibly is, and I can't, you know, I don't want to, I've got nothing to back this up. I want, to, yeah. I want to, to make that very clear. This is, this is pure conjecture. But I have heard that back in the 60s or 70s, the, the sugar industry the sugar in America was pushing sugars, and then uh, there was a thought that, well, let's, you know, people are high intake of sugar, uh, are also quite often having high intake of fat because we're eating more, more fast, faster foods yeah, and junk foods yeah. back then. So let's the sugar industry said, let's not demonise us. Let's demonise the, the, the saturated fats instead. Yeah, that's the theory. The, not even a theory. The hypothesis, the conjecture that's behind it. Yeah. Um, don't um, don't know whether that's true or not. But I've heard it from a number of sources. But they all those sources could have come from the same source. So yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But maybe maybe there's something true in that. But that's that doesn't need to be an issue really. We you just we should just not be calling them out we should just get people to eat good you know good food and i have an issue button i totally agree with you i think yeah. i think especially you've seen this over the years um but it still stands today you know you speak to the general population which is the majority of the people that probably be listening to this podcast then they might have some kind of interest in health and well-being but there's still a lot of people are scared of, of saturated fats you know mm. there's still that as well as carbs, which I want to get into as well. Um, but yeah, still people think, oh, I don't want to eat that. That's, that's a saturated fat. And mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a big problem, right? Are you able to just give some kind of um, indication to people what, what would be the saturated fats that they've come across on a day-to-day -day basis? Okay, so a lot of animal fats can be saturated fats. Um, I've also mentioned MCTs in relation to HUL, the medium-chain triglycerides. Yes. The ones we get are dry from coconuts, coconut oil. Yeah. Now, MCTs are technically speaking a saturated fat by structure, um, so they can't be oxidized, but yet the body metabolizes them in a different way. Um, so this, they're very, very slightly less energy dense than the long chain triglycerides. We're, we use roughly nine calories per gram for a regular fat, yeah. 8.3 calories per gram for an MCT. But How when calories per gram for MCT? 8.3. 8.3. So, but they're all, um, that's what we call at water figures, which are a bit rounded anyway. It's what food labels use and it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. They're fine to use, but we do have a great article on your.com in the guys and articles section on the different ways of carrying and all the different energy values that each amino acid contributes yeah. and, and the variation. If people are super interested in that fine detail, which you really don't need to be, there is a great article there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll so link that article in the notes so people can go and check. Yeah, it. yeah. I can't take credit for that. One of my colleagues wrote that, so I'll just get that in. Fair enough. So yeah, um, saturated fats. Uh, what other? So it's 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 the red meats, it's coconut oil, it's butter. 
what else would you say people need to be looking at in terms of what they are? So at least they're aware of what they are. Yeah, I mean, there's a small amount of some other nuts and seeds and stuff as well, but there's not the not the priority. And so I would just, you know, I, I don't even like food labels, Helga. Okay? I don't agree. Uh, it's difficult with Huel, I'm going to say that, obviously, but it is difficult with Huel because we're calling out nutrients. We're, we're specifically saying we're nutritionally complete, so we need to be held accountable to that. Yes. Um, so it needs to be, but regular foods, you know, why, why does everyone obsess with calorie counting? And I've been saying this for years, and and I get it. People want something that they can they can measure, they can tangibly measure, and they can do that with figures, but calorie counting is all over the place. It really is, you know, when you see food labels and, and how foods have been tested, there's so much variation that's allowed due to seasonality, and, and then a calorie isn't a calorie, as I'm sure you've, you've said before. Sure, it is in one sense that in the law of thermodynamics, but it, we don't do that. We, we, don't do this, we don't walk exactly the same number of footsteps every day. So we have a different output every day. So why get so obsessed by it? Just eat good quality food. I do, when I used to do diet plans for people, um, I did, did look at portion size. I probably would put, would put portion sizes, but I never recommended that everybody rec weighed out their food every meal. It was yep. more like first week, maybe weigh out just every few weeks, just check that the portion size haven't crept up a bit, you know, just have a re-weigh. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't like recommending it to anal, prescription for diets diet plans are great and yeah. really useful for routine yeah but but i wouldn't ever work with one on on calories um with you all obviously people who do want to work with that they do have the benefit of being able to very easily and reliably count calories because we validate everything with with lab tests well touching on, on counting calories obviously now counting calories become bigger and bigger with with apps such as my fitness pal and now even the government is saying that people have to put calories on everything so that we will yeah, we're yeah. aware right so i'm going to be completely honest with you like for me i i i when i work with clients including myself if i'm trying to lose weight for whatever reason yeah. uh, i like to count calories personally because yeah. i like to be in control yeah and this may be because of my background uh, in, in bodybuilding um but I like to be in control. I know that there's a big difference in terms of that chicken breast or that may, may not be exactly the same amount of calories. However, for me, if you're using the same tools yeah. all the time, it becomes correct. It does, and it would even itself out with the bits going lower. Bits going. I get that. And you're the majority of people, Helder. Uh, I'm the minority, I'm well aware of that. Yeah. Um, uh, I just like to be as minimally prescriptive as, as possible. I guess that's I think, from my NHS days. I think long term, to be honest with you, long term is better to be the way you are. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's one of the terms I used to use a lot. This isn't, I used to say, eat food, not figures. Yeah. Okay. You're eating food. Food isn't a bunch of figures. When, when 12,000 odd years ago, when, when our ancestors were running around, they weren't counting the calories. Uh, just, you're right, but they're also much more active than we are today. Correct. Yeah, they are. So, yeah, activity. I'm not saying anyone should just follow a meal plan with some approximate yeah. portion sizes. And <laughs> the exercise bit comes with that as well. Absolutely. And I think the problem with that comes, and it's again from my experience, James, and you'll probably know this. You know, we, we're working with, this, with, with a lot of people nowadays that have no, no control over their portion control. So, you know, you might be saying, right, let's just eat good food. Let's bring the portions, smaller portions. And it all sounds amazing on paper. Mm -hmm. But when habits and, you know, problems in life get in the way and they've got a bottle of, of vodka in front of them yeah. uh, and they're not counting the shots, whatever it might be, or they've got a packet of crisps and mm -hmm. 
you know, all of those things is, well, they'll just finish the packet of crisps. Yeah. Even, even, even if they know. Whereas I think if someone's probably a little bit more aware that that packet of crisps, crisps contains this many calories, they may look at that differently. That's and my view on it. I have another view. Go on. And I haven't really taught this yet. Go on. Okay. So can I just sidestep for a, for a little bit? Absolutely. So as well as I think I was mentioning before we, we started the, this interview, uh, as well as nutrition that I've been doing for 28 years, I kind of get, uh, I find neuroscience and the, and the brain and a lot of other areas, even, even philosophy, equally um, stimulating. Yeah. And um, I've been looking at a lot of, with mental health as well, um, had, some, had some mental health issues myself a long time ago. Um, a lot of people, so I like to I like to look at that. And part of that is the neurotransmitters, which for people who don't know, the difference between a neurotransmitter and a hormone. Hormones work systemically. Neurotransmitters just work on where one neuron, which is a nerve cell, connects to another. However, there are some hormones that are also neurotransmitters. But I won't talk too much about happiness. Um, but a couple of those do work with appetite. So. Some people may have heard of dopamine, which is one of the happy neurotransmitters. Yeah. Okay, it can have negative things. Uh, but there's also serotonin, which is, can you see that picture behind me? Yeah. The, that's the chemical symbol for happiness, that's serotonin. Okay. Um, and these two in particular are really useful because in respect of, of a lot of things, but here we're talking about appetite, but they do come into play. Now, I'll talk more about dopamine in a moment because it's relevant to answer your question but serotonin briefly first. So we all know we've got the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord. We've yeah. got the peripheral nervous system, which is all the other bits. But most people these days, most neuroscientists and uh, these days are saying there's actually a third nervous system and that's the enteric nervous system. That's the, inter the nervous system relating to the, to the guts, the digestive system. And the, people prefer to talk about it separately because it does so much. Um, now, we all know we've got the good bacteria, the mi microbiome in, in the gut, yeah. our digestive system, which are all the healthy bacteria that live, in, live synergistically with, with humans for our mutual benefit. They yeah. help us digest our food. There's possibly immune uh, involvement. But yeah. there's also been shown in recent years to be cognitive invo involvement. So both in men positive mental health and in concentration and, and, and flourishing. And yeah. I can't give you the figures on this, but it's assumed that, but I do know the majority of serotonin is not released from there. It's released from there. And it's linked very much to um, the microbiome. Um, through the vagus nerve is the nerve that connects the, the central nervous system to yeah. the enteric nervous system. Yeah. And it's a two-way nerve, okay? It sends messages both ways. So the serotonin is caused to release through synapses, which I won't get too technical, but that's the way one neuron um, that's the bit that connects one neuron to another, and that's the bit the neurotransmitter hops across, hmm. um, and serotonin there. So where I'm going with that bit before I talk about dopamine is that having a good diet, good food with good um, intake of fiber is not just going to good for your digestive system. It's also got good health um, mental benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, dopamine is perhaps more important relating to what we've said. And you've said about using your crisp analogy, if I may, yes. um, the calorie counting. Well, people, we're not supposed to be having crisps. Okay, the cues are there through, um, through what our evolution, you know, relatively, you know, 
I like to, I, I mentioned 12,000 years for a reason, because that's when the sort of so-called agricultural revolution started to be, become. Prior to that, we were all hunter-gatherers, and it's assumed after that agriculture started coming in and diet started to change. But we've really only got 150 years since industrialization came in, yes. which is when diets changed yet again, and even 50 years, 25 years, yes. in most of our lifetimes, when things really changed. We've still got the cues from the pre-12,000 years ago telling us to grab those fatty, grab those sugary, tasty foods, maybe even salty foods. And there's been a lot of research into that. Now, dopamine is the, the neurotransmitter that gives us the chase. It's all about ambition. As soon as you've achieved your goal, that dopamine rush goes down. Yeah. Okay. So for our ancestors, it was like, oh, I can smell some, some berries, maybe some fruit. So let me go and find that. Let me find it. It's in, this, in these bushes somewhere. Or there goes that impala. Let's go and spear that. Or probably wasn't an impala back in those days, but yeah. I, you know, <laughs> an antelope of some description. Let's go and chase it. And it was the impetus to get it. It was the, the drive out to do it. Now, in, yeah. in modern humans, well, they were modern humans. But, I mean, um, humans of these days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the developed world, humans. Well, we don't have those cues, so we get our dopamine elsewhere. So we get them from video games. Um, we get them from, you know, from sports, which is brilliant. That's a positive way. Video games is perhaps positive, perhaps negative, up for debate. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Um, but, um, and, and from doing from work, you know, we can get a lot of dopamine from seeing people do, do well. And it's okay. chasing that dopamine for the right reason. Now, cocaine um, will increase dopamine by about a thousand times, mm. which is why it's, it, it's, it feels so good, apparently. Um, yeah. And so it's, it. yeah, so it's, um, but the problem is when you have that, Third, it, that's your, that's, let's say someone is, has got a, a, a dopamine level there, yeah. and then they have the cocaine that goes up to there, yeah. it comes down the next day, it goes quite a bit lower, then they have it again because they're feeling a bit, bit low on the old mood, so no. then it goes higher and lower again, then the yeah. new base on the baseline drops, so they need it. Yes. Um, so let me relate this, I've gone off topic again, I do that. Yeah, but I want to, so let me bring that back down to your question, your point now about the, the, the calories on the packet of crisps. <clears throat> you, you don't have to chase that packet of crisps across the savannah. No. You could probably go to the cupboard and pick one out, open it, and that's the effort it takes. Absolutely. So all craved it, and that's, there's, other, there's other hormones and neurotransmitters involved in that as well, leptin being, being one, yeah. being a hormone, leptin's a hormone um, that's involved, but it's a bit more complicated. But if, um, the dopamine is the one that wants you to go and get it and so it's very easy so you're not getting the dopamine stimulus now so my my thoughts that i mentioned different to the calorie counting is if this is the first time i've actually spoken to anyone around this so this is quite new so it might not even come out right um what i what i'm trying to say is if one can recognize what's going on because one's learned about this it's learned that this is dopamine do it when you think, oh, I cannot fancy that pack of salt and vinegar. Mm. I, that's just my dopamine telling me to do this. So I might think, what can I do to stimulate my dopamine in other ways, in a more constructive way? Mm. Now, that could be your exercise. Um, it could be doing, doing a puzzle, if you like that sort of thing. Could, it could be um, doing some competition, going to do sports, and anything like that, um, a personal best, which is why... When I, I'm trying to, you know, and, and I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I please don't want to talk out of my depth here. Yes. So put that caveat in. I do speak to people about mental health issues. And I, um, if, you, if you can stimulate your happy neurotransmitters, like dopamine, in other ways, that will help. You will feel happier. 
The problem with dopamine is you can't ever fulfill the little fucker, all right? Because you might get a dopamine kick in one way, but you still want it in another way through your appetite. Yes. So, so this is the problem. But at least you are keeping happier by doing other things. Yeah. So I feel that knowledge of, basic knowledge, it doesn't mean, need to be any more in-depth than what I've just said, yeah. is useful for someone trying to control themselves. So you, you, you've sort of said about, well, if they know how many calories in, they can keep that calorie chart, and they know how many calories, they know not to have it. Yeah. But there are, you know, there are quite calorie dense foods like avocado, for instance, that are really Absolutely. good, you know, nuts and so on. I'm a big nuts and seeds fan. And they're yeah. super calorie dense. So, yeah. uh, but they're all good stuff. Absolutely. So, so if, it's, still, if you still not eat a lot of them, you'll still get fat. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. But you'll be fat with a good, with a, yeah. Not you'll, you'll be a healthier, fatter person. Yeah. And also they will, you will, you will, but it will control the appetite more having those foods. Yeah, they're more high fiber, more high vitamin, more the protein. Yeah. Yeah. But they also affect this thing called the lipostat, which is controlled by leptin, the, the hormone I alluded to earlier, that um, more, more efficiently than the junk food. Okay. So um, my, my, my thought to try and succinctly summarize what I just said is you, if you know that this is, Packet of Chris is just the, the dopamine doing, telling me I want this. You yeah. can kind of control it. That Rather than saying, I'm going to have 150 calories from this. You yeah. can say, I totally get my dopamine rise from somewhere else. So totally. I, I would love, and I don't have, I've got no idea how this would be managed on a, on a, um, on a coaching uh, process even. Yeah, yeah, on, on, a, on, a, on a, yeah, on, on government. Because that can you manage something you can't measure. Say again? You can't, you can't measure that, so how can you manage it? Correct, you, you can't, exactly, and people like to have things they can, they can yeah. manage. Yeah. But I, I, I try to, you know, I've had, you know, I've had a few small mental health issues in the past with, with depression, mm. and I can honestly say I will never have them again. Obviously, things will upset me, and I'll get yeah. down and down like any human being, but it will not be long-standing because I, I've, I've got it managed now. Um, perfectly um, and it's part part of that and when I'm feeling down as well I just say okay maybe that's just serotonin or my dopamine that I'm doing because very well. Because you were aware right you were aware right. of that situation. Right. And so I feel and like I said Helen, that's possibly not come out that well because I'm not no, saying that it's, it's pretty self-explanatory what you're saying I think people yeah. understand it I just yeah. and I get you totally I think it's it, it's a it's a good approach and your approach towards Living that way is great. I yeah. mean, ideally, we want to live in a world where we don't calorie count and we're all in a healthy body weight and we're all active and we're all eating good quality, nutrient-dense food. However, yeah. we don't live in that world. No, we don't. Absolutely, we don't. So we have to control it otherwise. No way, way I do it, you know, it's, it's the same to everything. I try and live, live my life trying to push myself in other ways. So um, I don't completely buy the Stoic philosophy, but I do find the Stoic, certain ele elements of Stoicism quite interesting. Me too. Part of, that, part of that may be is trying to push myself. So the intermittent fasting was something I, a few years ago, I used to wrongly dismiss. I actually really like intermittent fasting. Yeah. And I've completely changed my mind. I would advise people against it because going back to what I said earlier in this conversation, I was listening to the textbook type of thinking that I was taught when yeah. I started challenging things. So since oh, I probably nine, 10 months now, I predominantly do that. It was the time-restricted eating method where yeah. I won't eat for sort of 16, 17 hours, probably at least five days a week, maybe six or seven. Um, and then um, I do that for two reasons. One is for the metabolic benefits and the physiological benefits, but also just for the pushing myself and trying to keep stronger. And I yeah. try to push myself and go lower calorie and still go and hit, hit a workout and then 
Yeah, yeah you, sometimes you don't feel too great, but you. Well, look, let, let me talk, stop you there a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I, lo I love it myself, um, but I have come across people who I, who I, I think it's not ideal for. For example, um, and I'll give you examples, and this is just experience of working with clients. Um, in, in they said, well, I want to try intermittent fasting, which I'm happy. Okay, cool. I think it's a great tool to use, especially if you want to count calories, mm -hmm. because it does reduce the amount of calories you're going to eat if you're fasting for 14, 16, 17 hours. You've only got a smaller window to eat. But what I'm finding is a lot of, a lot of people in, the, in that smaller window, they go all out because they think, well, I'm, I'm fasting yeah. all this time. I can eat whatever I like. I'm going to be within my calories. Yeah. Not quite. No, no, sorry. Yeah, you're quite 100% right. It's part of a bigger package, a bigger... Yeah, bigger, yeah. Right, so yeah. It's, I think um, it's a great tool to use if you still, if you eat well yeah. in, that, in that time period that you're allowed to eat, if you're still eating good, dense, nutritious foods, yeah. if you're eating a lot of veg, if you're eating a lot of protein, if you're, if you're eating decent quality carbohydrates, you can't eat that much in that, in that window. No, you can't. And I, I lost, I've been doing it hard during lockdown and I was lost weight and I went back to the gym. Um, fortunately, I had access to a gym um, about six weeks ago. I yeah. only didn't go for about six weeks uh, and I was still training at home. But I, I was, you know, I was restricting my eating and I'd, I'd gone a bit scrawny around the neck and the shoulders. Yeah. Um, which, well, that's not great for the body. You didn't like it. No, I didn't. Um, sure, I got lean. It, uh, it's yeah. not where I want to be, but um, yeah. So the, the fasting too hard was probably doing doing that too much. But you, you're quite right. Good challenge. Yeah, it is definitely it's definitely a challenge. And again, other people can't. Again, it's that it's that that thing of they're so used to to having that break at work at ten o'clock and having their biscuits and their and their coffee, and then all of a sudden they start this fasting protocol. And it may work for a week or two. They see the, the scales, the weight's coming down. But then they hit a plateau. And then they think, oh, this is not working anymore. It's the, then they blame it on the fasting. The fasting doesn't work. Mm. It's, no, it's not. It's not and, and this is why I'm a big fan of, you know, if, you, if you're measuring, then we know where we're going. Yeah. And when we hit that plateau, we know where we go from there. This is why I like to count calories. Yeah. Especially at the beginning. What about other macros, Elder? Do you do? You I, I'll be honest with you. Most of my clients, I count calories, protein, and fiber. Yeah. Okay. That's it. I don't really. I mean, unless I'm working with a bodybuilder, which I don't anymore. To be honest with you, yeah. I don't promote myself there in that field anymore. Majority of my clients are just general population. At the beginning, if I'm honest with you, we focus, especially if you've never done any kind of calorie counting, we just do calories. And then we start introducing protein and we start introducing fiber. Um, so they start understanding. But the way I do it is I don't tell them, right, here's the numbers going, hit it. Uh, the way I do it is it's all around education. So educating them, you know, first of all, why are we counting calories? Then why is protein important? Why is fiber important? They need to realize that. And then obviously as, as time goes on, carbohydrates, fats come into play and we'll talk a little bit about that. But if you manage the calories, because most, most of my clients are fat loss clients. Yeah. And typically, if they're doing a bit more and eating a bit less, the law of thermodynamics, it works, as you're aware, right? Yeah. So, and, and I know and we know that it, it's not accurate, the numbers that we are chasing, such as, you know, we're not, if I do 10,000 steps today and 10,000 steps tomorrow, am I burning the same calories? Probably not. But yeah. 
it's going to be there or thereabouts at the end of it. I get it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I, this is why I'm a big fan, especially a, a beginning of a process which can be three months, can be a month, can be three years, who knows? Like my wife, as an example, she doesn't count calories. Yeah. Majority of the time. She, she, she can portion control quite well. She knows when she needs to be a bit more active. And this is ideally where I want to get my clients. I want yeah. to get them to a place where they're not counting calories. They're, they're no looking at that plate. That's yeah. roughly amount, this, this, this amount of calories. I, can cope, I know I can fit that in my day. And it, I know if I eat a little bit too much today, tomorrow I can reduce the amount that I'm eating. Just, just visually. I'm not no counting. Ideally, that's where I want to get people to. However, yeah. the process to get them there, if I was to say to them, oh, you know, just make the decision. If you eat too much today, have a little less tomorrow. And then we hit a plateau. Where do we go from there? Because I don't know where we're going. I don't know what's been done. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I would have, I would do the same. I would have prescribed a meal plan and that would have had a set meal on if, if, if the, so the goal was fat loss, for instance, and they weren't losing, I would simply either ask reduce up, 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 the or, or up the exercise or reduce a bit or, yeah, exactly, but just in food terms rather than calorie terms. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. So behind a, a food plan, I know back in the day, especially, I don't know so much, probably not so much now. I don't know how you work now in terms of, uh, your diet, dietitian can give food plans out as far as I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, I used to do, I used to have uh, run obesity clinics and stuff like You're that. You're a qualified dietitian, you can do that. Yeah. However, most personal trainers shouldn't be yeah. giving no personal no, no plans out for people to eat, as you yeah. all aware, right? Sure. And like, I, I'm not a fan of food plans personally for most people only because they're very short-lived yeah aren't they so if i was to say right eat this for breakfast this for lunch this for yeah. dinner for the next three months i can guarantee you most people will not do it absolutely right so yeah. whereas if i was to give them the freedom which is what i do right here's the freedom here's how many calories i want to eat on average per day it doesn't have to be the same every day as long as it averages out by the end of the week, the end of the month, that's all I care about. Yeah. Here's, here's some protein numbers. Again, average. Here's some fiber numbers average. Go and hit that and you can eat whatever you want as long as your protein is being hit, your fiber is being hit, and you're getting minimal amount of vitamins and minerals in your diet that you need yeah. for your day-to-day -day, you know, health. Yeah. That gives you more freedom. That means if they want to have a glass of wine with dinner tonight, they can. Yeah. And I tend to think that it's more of a, a more of a sustainable approach than a written diet plan. Now, if they got a health issue, then it's different. Then no, I, won't, yeah. I won't deal with it. I'll send them to you. Yeah, and I, and I don't see people anymore, so they won't get anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you see what I mean? No, I get, it makes perfect sense in, in, in that respect. But also, on that note, you're kind of looking at a diurnal uh, calorie amount, whereas we're in different metabolic states throughout the day. Yeah, I know you're, you're now going to refer me back to what you said earlier, uh, assuming that that you know it'll all level itself off anyway. Which yeah, probably it will. does. But you know the insulin to glucagon ratio varies during the course of the day. Um, appetite varies. A lot of other factors come into play. Yeah, your activity. So yeah, I I used to, I've never counted calories, but I've also didn't used to do diet plans in the way I would do them now if I still did them for people. And I do have I do have one client by the way, one one guy I. I help yeah um, but yeah um, and then I do doing for my mates still now and again yeah, you know, yeah. but it's, it's 
it's not my bread and butter. So I do look at things a bit differently now. And I, the, the approach I've always taken is a tailored approach, Elder. Yes. That's, that's what I need to promote, tailored plans yes. um, to, suit, to suit the individual. So there was no prescription. Um, you know, I do have a, a website um, called mealplansite.com, which we, we wrote about, started about 15 years ago. It's got a bunch of different meal plans for different uh, activities, different um, sports, different clinical conditions, etc. And that does have more. What's the name of that site, James? Mealplansite.com. Mealplansite.com. Mealplansite. M-E-A-L-P-L-A-N-S-I-T-E.com. I'm going to put that in the notes as well. So that's more, you know, that was because I kept getting asked for plans. One size fits all. So the yeah, underneath that, this is a one, not a one size fits all, you know. Yes, yes. There's loads on there, and uh, yeah, that site's done all right over the years. Um, yeah, so that's that's it. You did want to ask me about carbohydrates. You did. I did. Right? Yeah. Again, it's one of those one of those a little bit like the saturated fats. Um, yeah. People are very scared of carbohydrates. Oh, car- I don't eat carbs because carbs make me fat. Yeah. We obviously, me and you know that that's not the truth. Yeah. yeah. But what's your thoughts on that and how how can you explain it in a way that people understand that that's not a problem okay that's that's a a great question um it wasn't you know some people still actually do recommend that we have more carbs um the official recommendations of course is to them to be i think uh, 50 55 percent of total energy um but sugars so if people don't know what carbohydrates are they are um they range from your simple carbs which like sugars so your more complex carbs, which are your starches. Um, and uh, sugars, as in sucrose or glucose, raw sh- in, in, in its natural form with nothing else in it, are not good, are not good for you. Anyway, we all, we all agree with that. They are bad. The um, highly processed carbs that don't have much else in them are also bad, like your cakes, your biscuits, your chocolate, all yeah. that. You don't need a degree in rocket science to know that yeah, yeah. that's the case, you know. Whereas you've got your granary bread, basmati rice, whole wheat pasta, new potato, sweet potato, oats, quinoa, etc., are all good carbs. Now, some people may have heard of the term glycemic index, GI, yeah. Yeah. which is a me- measurement that's put on um, any carbohydrate containing meal or food. Um, from when we, when it's consumed to it causes an, uh, a certain increase in, in uh, blood glucose, yeah, blood sugar. Yeah. Um, low ones give that more sustained, uh, slow release, which is more right. sustained energy and a better. And the you know sucrose well, glucose is the is, is the highest. Uh, it's not actually the case; a bit more complicated so than that. To, but put, to put it in simple terms, so people may understand. Say, for example, they had um, I don't know a, a very sugary food for, for lunch and they had a big sugar spike where they feel full of energy for 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And then they have a big sugar drop. That's Correct. typically a high glycemic food. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So that won't have, so things that slow down, there's lots of things that slow down. Such um, as fats, right? Yeah. Fats do, fiber does. And you know, the, the GI is useful, but don't get too hung up about it is what I've always said. It's a yeah. useful thing to be aware of, um, but don't get too hung up because two things. Um, let's, let's use, what should we use? Let's use, Banana, as an example, okay. When you've got, in, in, in some developing countries, um, the uh, green banana is eaten as a staple food, yeah. um, as a source of low glycemic filling carbohydrate. High fiber. When we, yeah, when we've bought a banana and we've stuck it in our fruit bowl for two weeks and it's gone black, that's much higher GI. 
Yeah. The same applies to maize corn, whatever you want to call it. So you've got your, um, uh, you, you've got the, the sweet corn um, is higher GI, which is, you know, the corn on the cob. And yeah. You've got maize, which is, you know, which is eaten again as a staple, which is your lower GI. Um, as the same with potatoes, for instance, your new potatoes, lower, older potatoes, higher. It doesn't mean good or bad. It just gives you an indication. So that's yeah. the first thing. The seasonality of, of the crop hugely affects the GI. More importantly, you don't go away and eat a load of potatoes and then a few hours later have a load of something else. We have food as meals Absolutely. and meals are a combination of different food. Um, and so it affects, affects the GI. So it's good to be mindful and avoid the high GI foods some of the time, but not always, they're not always bad. I mean, some fruits are high GI, but they've got plenty of other fiber and vitamins. Absolutely. And so just have them well, have that. the high GI food, but it's yeah. great for us. Exactly. So yeah. it's good to, I think it's useful for people to be aware of GI, especially yeah. when it comes to your complex carbs. Because complex doesn't mean low GI, it just means, you know, it's starchy. Yeah. Um, so base, but one good thing is base your meals around low GI carbs, and they're not bad, you're quite right. And whole grains have been um, associated with lower incidence of cardiovascular disease and other, other health benefits as well. Plus mm. there's all rich in B vitamins and potassium and a bunch of other nutrients as well, and, and fiber, of course, soluble and insoluble fiber. We'll talk a little bit about that. You know, you're talking about the saturated fat and how we, we've got a cholesterol and how it can clog up our, 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 our arteries. One of the things that can get rid of that is fiber, right? Yeah, so there's two, two main types of fiber. It's a bit more complicated than that, but for the, there's insoluble and there's soluble fiber. Yes. So insoluble fiber, in most of your veg, in, in some grains, it, it's what we have that helps, acts like a sponge, oh, oh. With it, helps you digest them really good for you. But soluble fiber does a bit more than that. It does loads of, of great stuff, actually. So... You've got soluble fiber in fruits, you've got it in pulses, peas, beans, and lentils, and you've got it in oats, a particular potent type of soluble fiber in oats called beta-glucans. Yes. Now, they, will, they can help control your blood um, cholesterol level because cholesterol in the body is cycled through bile and it's excreted and re-brought re up. But um, the soluble fiber grabs hold of it and you excrete it. So it can, um, but also, I'm gonna revert back to what I said earlier, soluble fiber, is what the um the good bacteria reside in our gut it's what they eat it's what they they know they have as their nourishment so i mean a good soluble fiber helps them um proliferate and, and do do good stuff so it helps the diet that helps them digest but the um microbiome will help digest your food help your immune system and also want to mention about serotonin so high soluble fiber which comes in conjunction with carbohydrate foods can have a bunch of cognitive benefits as well yeah. So, you know, you know, this is where um, a lot of people miss out on when they go low carb. So it's to be mindful of that. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I, and I think people are very, because I think what they tend, especially in, in, in today's world, the fat loss world. Yeah. Not necessarily the healthy world. But the fat loss world is, oh, when I eat carbs, I put on weight. When I, when I stop carbs, I lose weight. And yeah. it's not necessarily the carbs that's the problem. It's the, 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 the fact is, is that they were probably eating very high calorie foods. Yeah. That they tend to think that carbs are just cakes, which are yeah. not just carbs, they also contain fats. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they've given up on those foods and they obviously reduce their calorie intake, hence why they've lost weight. Yeah. However, their correlation is I lost weight because I gave up the carbs, and that's not true. Yeah. Right? So carbs are very, very important and very healthy, um, depending on which carbs you eat, of course. 
but things like fruit, oats, which you know, are high in vitamins, high in minerals, high in yeah. great fiber, are things that people shouldn't give up eating, right? Correct. Yeah. Obviously, it depends on your goals. If you're if you are trying to lose fat, you're trying to lose it quite quickly. You might have to restrict your carbs a bit, a bit for a period of time. Yes. Yeah, for a period of time, and they should be the basis. But you know, not you need a good intake of, of, of fat. You need a good intake of carbs. You need a good intake of protein. You need a good Absolutely. intake of take them all. Absolutely. One thing I will say though that a lot of people is a lot of people may say we don't need to eat as much food as we think we need to eat. Yeah. Uh, in general, and um, sure, and food rewarding. We like to feel full afterwards, and you know, we think we deserve it well that's up to you you know yeah but for uh, you know even for longevity benefits um restricting food intake is useful as well and that's something when you get to a bit older you start starts being on your radar yeah um, well you start looking at health more than anything else don't you when we get a bit older yeah exactly and I, you know i want to live for a long oh, time and and but not just the last 20 years of my life being decrepit i want to be life. Yeah, I mean, it's a long, long time yet, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, um, obviously, James. Yeah, obviously. Looking young every day, mate. Yeah, so, yeah, you just, you know, you want to enjoy your life as much as you can and feel active for as long as possible. Um, yeah. Which is great. So, um, maybe just, if I may, just bring in my dietary strategy that I've recently changed. Um, yeah. So, I met, uh, I run, I've recently started my own blog um, website as, uh, as well. I'll link to that as well. Yeah, jcreason.com. So a lot of it on there is critical thinking stuff. Another area of, uh, you know, is um, people don't generally associate me with. But there's one article on there so far today on, on diet, and I call it a contemplative diet. So I've been a bit brave here, Helder. I've invented a term, okay, because my dietary strategy is based on, if people read the article, they get a bit of context. And, and there is also... Uh, an audio link where I've read the article out at the bottom as well if people prefer not to read and to listen. Yeah. I think it's about a 20 minute listen. But the um, contemplative diet, so I've, I've gone through different ways that people look to influence their food choice. Now to me, there's three key factors out of all that. Nutrition content, obviously, is what I'm known for, you know, what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But also I'm, uh, I I'm very concerned about the sustainability as aspect, the climate change. I'm not gonna talk about the whole debate whether climate change is a real thing, it is. You know, if anyone values the scientific method, then it is happening. Um, but um, so I take that into account and also animal ethics. Now, I'm not I'm not vegan. Mm -hmm. um, and but I am I, I'm very I don't like the intensive farming methods. I can't get I don't, if people think that's fine. Well, that, I'm not going to argue with them, but I don't think so. The intensive animal farming methods. Are, are I one um, so what I do is I firstly nutrition is a big tip for me I, I want to eat good nutritious food which we've spoken about and we and a lot of your listeners will probably know about as well um but i i restrict my animal derived um calories up to a maximum of 10 percent of my total energy intake and yeah. bear in mind the most people are around about 29 to 30 percent in the west so it's about a third so um that involves having vegan style me meals a lot of days and over the course of a week some days it might be more but then other days will be completely vegan yeah yeah um and then and the other one is i won't consume any intensively farmed um uh, meat or poultry mm. fish i do have from any source now there's an argument there some people might challenge me on that but i can uh is it quite i'm going to write an article on on why i i have that's a different issue yeah. Uh, and I'm also I'm not and I'm also going to cover in that article. It'll be in the next few months. 
Um, certainly the side of Christmas, I'm going to publish that, but there's quite a bit of research to do. But I'm not vegan because I'm not 100% aligned with the nutrition from a vegan. And that's not to say, please, I don't want any, any vegan people listening to this. I've got a lot of friends that are very good dietary strategy with vegan. I'm not certainly, that, that's, but, but veganism is not just a diet, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's a, even a belief system. And um, I, that's fine and I'll support, you know, when people, vegans get slagged off by a lot and I will be the first to defend the vegan yes. point of view. But it's not for me, and um, but we don't need to be eating as much animal products as we do. Absolutely, we don't need to be eating as food. So I'll have only free-range meat. I limit it, Same. Um, and I have shitloads of pulses and um, yeah. uh, and other. I'm very aligned with that, James. But as you know, with the bodybuilding world that we used to live in before, you know, meat was a huge staple yeah. of our diet because you know, old school bodybuilders, you want to eat lots of protein, lots of chicken, mm. lots of beef. Some people just ate red meat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, I was in that world and eating poor quality because I couldn't afford to buy free range yeah. chicken every, every day to eat every day, two or, two or three times a day. So mm. again, health, as, as, as I've grown older and um, health become more important to me. And also animal, you know, being ethical with, with farming as well. So I only, if I buy beef, it's probably once every couple of weeks and I'll only buy organic grass-fed beef. If yeah. I buy chicken, I buy two or three chicken breasts per week, yeah. free range or organic. And yeah. the rest of it comes from fish uh, and, and pulses and grains. And I get my protein from that. But yeah. um, I, I'm, so I totally agree with you 100%. And I, I, I do believe that's the way forward, personally. And yeah. same, same with you, I've got clients that are vegans, fully vegans. There's nothing wrong with it. You can get everything you want out of being a vegan. Yeah, it just takes a lot more thought and care to make mm -hmm. sure that you're getting everything you need from your diet. Yeah, exactly. Um, the future holds some very, very interesting stuff. Obviously, I work in the future food space, so to speak. You know, some people see you as futuristic. I, I, I don't. I see it the now. But there's some really cool ingredients coming. The, the lab-derived meats and, um, okay. and milk um, proteins and egg proteins that are coming out. In a good way or a bad way? Oh, in a good way. Okay. Well, this is good. This is this is super interesting, and awesome. um, yeah, the they they, they uh, meat has been developed in a lab. It's been grown through cultured meat. Some people call it. Some people call it clean meat. Um, so that's good for us in the future. It's going to be the yeah. It's going to be the same structure. They haven't mastered a steak yet, but there is mince. But it's un, it's not not affordable at the moment. It's not um, too expensive. It's not there. But and and the the way and casing have been produced, but again, not commercially viable yet. Not quite. Um, the egg white proteins as well have been have been developed, and they're quite. It's quite interesting. Um, they'll be used as ingredient. You're not going to have you know whole eating yeah. egg and whey, but And I can see your listeners turning their nose up. I'm not having my meat grown in the lab. I know. Most yeah. Story, most of you go and have your hormone and antibiotic fueled meats. Yeah. I would rather have this one that that um, is in a lab and is you know perfectly clean conditions. Mm. No animal has been harmed. And it's exactly the same from my body's perspective. Sounds interesting. So, yeah, if you want to read, there's a few podcasts on that around. And, and How long do you reckon it'll be until it's actually out there? The meat, possibly five years. Optimist okay. might say less than that. Um, and the, the, the egg white, maybe a couple of years. The, the milk protein, maybe a couple of years before they're more, more, more available. Is that currently being looked at in the UK or abroad? Um, 
They're both both territories. Okay. Um, there there are. It's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. There's an interesting book. I think it was written in 2018 by a guy called Paul Shapiro called Clean Meat. Clean Meat. Yeah. I couldn't get it in the UK. I had to order it from eBay in America, but I got hold of it, and it's not. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it's not the best written book, but the information in it is really cool. You know, he says in 250 pages, probably what could have been said in like 50 or 70 pages. Right. But that, that, <laughs> but that yeah. Although I must say, actually, there's some really good. I mean, I listen to Sam Harris, the philosopher of neuroscientist, a lot, and he had one of the guys from Meso Meets uh, on his podcast uh, a few, about three years ago, talking about this. So that, if people prefer podcasts, that's worth a listen. But there's a lot out there. It's an interesting space. Then also the, 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 um, the plant-based meat alternatives at Relamone, super interesting. There's a bit money being thrown behind it. And, um, and what so we're I doing... I think those, those manufactured meats and egg whites will be uh, okay for vegans, right? Because there's no animal product in there. By definition, yes. But I've, I've listened to some podcasts on this and people are still arguing whether they are or not. But by definition, they, the vegan society definition, they would tick that box. Wow, um, keeping an eye on that for that, that's, that sounds interesting. Whether, but people might have other reasons for not doing it and people might be challenging my comments here and you know. Yeah. Well, one thing I do want to just ask anyone for feedback, like a contemplative diet that I wrote, that's a term that I've invented. I'm not even sure it's the right term. Yeah. And the, the reason, so I would love people's feedback on that if they do read the article, get in touch and tell me if they think the it article. works. Let me get the article now while I'm with you, James. What's the article? Where, is it on your website? It's on jcreason.com. And, and then called, I'm, I'm there right now. And then what, what article am I looking at? It's called, it's called A Contemplative Diet. It's got a picture of me looking up at a load of foods. Go to the articles. Here we go. I got you. So I'm going to pop that on the, on the show notes. Okay. That, that'd be great. Um, it's the, the, the term I'm not even sure about. I, I can't think of a better term. The reason why I, I, I thought an easier term is, I, I'm not a fan of labels, but if I don't describe myself as a vegetarian, I'm certainly not a flexitarian. Yeah. It's not a pescatarian, although that's it's what just I a eat. way of eating. Yeah. People say, wait, wait, you know, if I wait around for dinner, me and my wife around for dinner, and they say, well, any special dietary requirements? I've, I've been resorted to saying pescatarian because it's, it's fine, it ticks the box. It's something that someone knows. Or, yeah, or I just say vegan sometimes, but then again, yeah, then, oh, but the whole debate I don't want to be having. So I want to invent a term that could be coming in, com in common usage, and I don't know if it's right. One person has criticised me for it, which is great. You know, I, I love the criticism. Yeah. Other people have said it sounds quite right, but I think it's right. And I've and I've and when this follow-up article, which is the one I've alluded to, I'm going to cover my, my thoughts on it there. Brilliant. I'm going to definitely share this, and I'll let you know if there's any feedback. Can yeah. they, can you leave feedback on your? On your site? Sorry? Can they leave feedback on the actual article itself? On the, yeah, they Not can. At the moment, yeah. the site's still new, it's only six weeks old, but. It says we have a comment, so yeah, I think they can. They can do it or they can get in touch with my social media, my, my page, James Collier. Uh, I'll, I'll share all of that anyway, so yeah. don't worry. Uh, I know that I'm, 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 we've been going on for a while now, James, I don't want to carry yeah. on for too long. So I want to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. Have you got anything else you want to cover before we? No, um, if, if, I mean, I just, if people do love reading about some of the things I've spoken about, there's Huel.com has a guides and articles section, which is really useful. I've written some of the articles there and my colleagues uh, have written the others, but I've been part of them all. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to do a, a shameless self-promotion here. JCReason.com is my new blog. It's only been live six weeks. Written a, I've written, I think, published only eight articles so far. There's one on diet. All the others are on more critical thinking. 
um, the scientific method, um, values, bit of politics in there, conspiracy theories. I did publish one the other day on face masks. Yeah. Um, which so just, just on the face mask, I've not read that yet, but what's your, what's your thoughts quickly on that? I've, I've done a, uh, a science, I've done a, I've looked at the peer reviews. I mean, face masks mask work. Like, I've called the, the, the article's called The Idea, Ideology of Anti-Face Masks. But I don't get why the area is, why the topic is, um, it's been argued that they work. You know, you put something in front of your, your face, things can't get through. And there's going to be people challenging me on this, but if, please challenge me after you've read the article. And no, I'm, this is obviously some people are even doubting there's this whole COVID thing going around. You know, I'm not discussing that point. Yes. but we are in where we are and there's several reasons even if you don't think it's as bad as it as it's perhaps being made out there's still good reasons but i've also said in there don't wear one all the time there's no point in wearing one when you're walking down the street yes. because you this this um SARS-CoV-2 the, the the virus that, that behind COVID-19 is really hard to be transmitted in outside current science is showing that yes so i would say yeah, wear one in the gym is the one. How can you wear it? You know, so I've got my my thoughts on what how to wear one in a gym in there. I.e., wear one when you're walking around the gym. When you're doing your set, take it down. You need to breathe. Do not wear one while you're exerting yeah, on yeah, a. Yeah. And when you've got your breath back, pop it back on if you're walking around. But, yeah, but and then, the confusion is this, James. The confusion is the government is saying, wear them in the shop, don't wear them in the pub. Mm -hmm. Wear them in the shop, but don't wear it in the gym. It's very contradictory. It is very good, and this is what I think people have to listen to what they're being told all the time. Mm. Don't. Okay, yeah. I, 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 you know, I see the conspiracy theorists, and I have a big problem with, with some of these alternative narratives that are around. But it doesn't mean I, I'm behind what the government are doing, the official narrative. It just means it's. You're I'm, I'm closing. Right? Uh, pardon? You're looking at the science. I'm looking at the science, and, and I'm, I'm not a molecular biologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a virologist. I'm just a, you know, a tattooed nutritionist but you can who, read a paper i can read a paper and i can look at things objectively but and i've written three i know i wasn't going to plug this too much but i've written three on the covid conspiracy three and the first of the the, the trilogy is about you don't even need to, to to read a paper you just need to certain key watch outs when someone's giving you an objective narrative um just being objective which is which is what i, I use the tagline on the uh, on the hashtag on the um on the blog called stay objective that's what i'm all about yeah. whatever it is so you don't have to be an expert you just have to not be gullible and i know that people say that anyone follows the official narrative is gullible but i would, would challenge that and say people that follow conspiracy theories are equally as gullible absolutely okay it's the reality is just use your loaf of bread and you're talking about the face mask where you wear one it's confusing well people need to be told what to do and maybe that's great maybe that's they should but try and use common sense you know you know, you're minimising risk. And I think the gyms are open is a good thing because exercise is good. Absolutely. But they are a breeding ground for germs. And so be mindful there. And people say, you know, some people don't get it. And I get it. I get I, I'm behind the, the current England guidelines on that. I, I think early on where you weren't allowed to go to parks was silly. Um, but I say that was silly. We, I'm looking at through a July the 31st lens of science, not a March, yeah. mid-March lens of science. Yes. Which was not much going on back then. Yeah, I'm conscious of my own hindsight bias there that I might be guilty of invoking. Um, but yeah, so just have a read. People might think, again, challenge me. Tell me I'm wrong. I love being wrong. Absolutely. Well, it, it's all about asking the questions, isn't it? Quite, exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'll be honest with you, I, I, I've, I've gone up and down throughout this whole coronavirus situation. 
it, it, because I've, I've stopped watching news. I don't watch the news anymore. No, I don't agree. But I've, I've, what I've seen, you know, the, um, when he kicked off with, with that David Icke interview, which I know you know of. And that, I, that wrote an article on that, by the way. Yeah, you know, that yeah. was like, he made some points and it just makes you think sometimes, oh, is that right, is that not right? But then again, it's just being, you know, a lot of the stuff he says makes no sense. It doesn't, and there's, there's no, and he's, I reckon David Icke would be a really nice guy, okay? <laughs> Brian Rose, who interviewed him, I, I'm not so sure. Um, I, and I picked up holes in him in the third article in the series. But David Icke, I don't know if I could be in the same room as him because and I, would, I would love to interview him because I'd love to call him out. I just, I think he's a nice guy. And where he wants to get to is the same place as everyone else. Yes. The, 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 the beautiful world. And I think everybody wants to get to that same world. They just Whether get- Whether that world exists, that's a different story. Yeah, but the, the hypothetical- um, Yeah. I don't like yeah. to use the word utopia because that could be flawed in its own right. Well, I'll be honest with you, I used to love, I watched London Real when I was very small. And I tell you who got me into London Real, Doreen Yates. Yeah, yeah, did you, yeah. Did you watch the first interview? I didn't, I haven't actually watched that. I'm aware of it, but I haven't actually watched it. The first ever interview Doreen Yates did with London Real was London Real was just about to start probably yeah. 10 years ago. And back in, back 10 years ago, I was in massively involved in bodybuilding. Yeah. So I was very interested yeah. in that. And then he interviewed a lot of people. That actually had, had quite a big impact on my life. For yeah. example, one of them was a guy called Ty Lopez. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. So Ty Lopez is all about books reading. So if you know my background, I never read until I was 29. Okay. Never read a book at all. Now, from the age of 29, I'm now 39, I read five books a month. Okay, brilliant. That's I absolutely love reading. I mean, it's, it's yeah. broadened my horizons massively. Well, I, I love it, but I, I just don't have the, the bandwidth to get through as many as that. I'd love to. I wish I could. My, my reading list is about 60 books long. 60 I, make, books. I make time, James. I, you know, I put it in my diary because otherwise there's always something else to be doing, right? Mm. Uh, and I, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I read probably, try and read to 15 hours a week. Yeah. Um, and that's, but that's easy. I mean, that's not a cop out, that's genuine. Yeah, you're a busy man, right? You've got multiple businesses you're running. Yeah. Um, I totally get it. And I, I'm sure, hopefully, hopefully one day I'll be so busy, I, don't, I can't yeah, read but, that many. But, I mean, that's, so that's really interesting what you said, that you read that many books um, and that you didn't start until 10 years ago. No. Um, and it's massively improved you. And now, James, I tell everyone the best thing that's ever happened to me is reading, starting to read, honestly. Yeah. And that's brilliant. That's, that's so good. I mean, I've, I read more now. I wish I'd have read as much as I do now then, but I have always read, but yeah, you know, I wish I'd read from the age of five. Okay. I think I'd be a different human being today. We mate, I've got things I wish I'd have done differently. Of course, of course. Hindsight, right? Hindsight's pretty hindsight bias again. And it's, um, you know, it's, uh, but no, bro, well, you've done it. At least you've done it. Most people. Absolutely. But this, I tell you, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm a keen fan of Brian Rose and this show up until COVID. Yeah. And I, I don't have, I'm perhaps being a bit presumptuous. I've only had more recent and, and the crowdfunding thing. I don't think yeah. he was very. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gone crazy. And I'll be honest with you, I've stopped, I've stopped watching because it's all about this now. Every interview he does. Yeah. Yeah. It's about COVID, it's about conspiracy theories. I'm like, yeah. well, you've gone in a t totally different direction now. Your podcast is no longer what I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm looking so, for people yeah. to inspire me. I'm looking to learn, to be educated. So, so I, I do, um, 
right now all he's doing is trying to find a bias towards the governments that they're doing this to us. Correct, 100%. There's a brilliant UK one called Rebel Wisdom. Okay. Um, uh, highly recommend it. Um, David Fuller is the guy on there. He's really objective. It's usually shorter. Rarely is one more than an hour. Usually they're the 40 minute duration. Right. Um, he, he's a former, uh, former Channel 4 and BBC journalist. But doesn't okay. like what's going on in journalism. So he's done his own thing. David Fuller, right. Rebel Wisdom. I'll check I highly that. recommend yeah. And I'll put that on the link of the notes as well. Yeah. Anyway, we're going on way too much yeah. here. I mean, we'll, have to, we'll have to do another podcast for sure. Yeah. Right, I'm going to ask you, I ask every, all my guests a few questions. I'm going to ask you the same question if you don't mind. Yeah. Question number one, what does success look like to you in your health? In my health? For, for me personally, it is about feeling great, living a long time, like I mentioned earlier, living active for, for a long while and being healthy and feeling great. Simple Thank as that. You. And what does success look like to you in terms of your wealth? Yeah. And everybody struggles with this one. I did, because if you'd have asked me that two years ago, I was a little bit more materialistic and hedonic than I am now. Um, I, you know, I, I'm in a position where I'm, this could be biased by fortunate position of having a successful business but you know i i think honestly i still feel that it would be wealthy enough so i can afford to do things that um i enjoy i still have a good life but thought to do things like writing my blog which blog which is not going to be for income it's going to be for fun and i would like to and this sounds really self-righteous but um help other people if i've got enough money because so i could do spend my time out that sounds really up myself, but I mean it. But you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. At least I say this to my wife all the time. I get more out of giving than getting. Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't really get that. And I can, I, if we're going to be a reductionist like we were earlier talking about the, the neurotransmitters, I get a dopamine buzz yeah, and, I, and, and I get a serotonin buzz from someone blowing smoke at my ass telling me that I've helped them out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think a lot of people are in the same boat. They may not admit it, yeah. but they're in the same place. And this is, is altruism really a thing? Because altruism has selfish motives because you want to get that buzz yourself. But does it matter if it is, you know? Not if you're helping, not if you're yeah, doing exactly. good things, exactly. right? Yeah. So it's the paradox, yeah. paradox of altruism, they call it, don't they? Yeah. Um, I, I find it quite, yeah. It's, uh, it's, so yeah, I want to be altruistic, but I am consciously aware that I'm perhaps being selfish in doing so but it's fine. You know, one of the things that, that I want to make money for yeah. is to be able to take time out so that I can read more. Uh, mate, same. Seriously. I'm actually thinking of going back to uni. Uh, in a, in a, if, I'm in a, if you're in a position in a couple of years that I can do less hours there, I'd love to do a part-time master's and maybe a PhD, either in neuroscience or the um, philosophy of science. Education keeps us going. Yeah, quite. It just broadens our horizons so much. And you know what it is as well, that you were able to have a conversation with anybody from every, any background about anything. Yeah. And to me, that's been the, the most, the, the most, um, the, the thing that, that I want to read a book on anything. It could be anything. If you mm -hmm. recommend me a book, James, I'll read it. Okay. Because even if I'm not interested in that subject, I know I'm going to get something out of that. And one day I might be in a restaurant, and I might meet someone and I might have an amazing conversation with that person about that 
and I've done things like that before. You bumped into people and you have a conversation. Sometimes when you're pissed and you, yes. you, know, you have some great conversation. But it's great, right? And, then, and before, you would have talked to me about a load of things. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then you, you just, there's no substance. Quite. Yeah, and I feel like I've got a lot more substance behind me for the last 10 years than I did for the first 29 years of my life. Yeah. And I love, I'm the sort of person that goes to a, a party and we'll just talk about books and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas, so that's why I don't get invited to parties. <laughs> <coughs> what I've done now in parties, I want to do for a living. Mm, I'm not going to go there because as soon as I say it, I know what you're going to ask me. How do I lose weight? What do I do to build muscle? Yeah. I'm not talking about this no more. <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. my here's my card. Come and see me. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. sure it's the same with you, right? Yeah, it has. I've had that before, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, third question: What does success look like to you in love? In love, that's that's a great question. Um, just being with someone you love. I'm very fortunate. I've got a, a, my wife and I love each other. Well, I love her. I assume it's um, reciprocated. <laughs> <laughs> she seems to anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get on. And, it's, and, and love as well is broader than just with, with, with one spouse or partner. It's uh, Friend, family. With, with family and friends as well. So if, if someone feels a lot of love, um, that's great. Yeah, awesome. And what does success look like to you in terms of your happiness? Okay, two, you, you said love, you said happiness. So these two, love, friendship, happiness in Sanskrit. Wow. Um, so love and friendship equals happiness. So Perfect. Have I That's answered that, that? Yeah. That's a great answer. Great. I love that. Okay. Last question. What is the top three books you'd recommend today? Yeah. Three's hard, man. I so know. I thought about this when you, you pre-warned me about the question. So Come on, tell me. Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari has to be there. Sapiens, Very well known. Yeah. Yeah, well known. Um, and I would say the, the other two afterwards, but that'd be cheating. So you, you'll read Sapiens, you'll want to read the other two afterwards. Um, I would say Waking Up by Sam Harris. I'm a big fan of Sam Harris's work. So Waking Up is his book. He does a lot of critical thinking, some um, about certain religions, and he can, can be quite polarizing. I think 99% of what he says is spot on. But his Waking Up one is his more less controversial book is about meditation and, and the mind but he is rather than talking about the new age hippie side of meditation he talks about the science behind it and stuff like that um from a uh, i've not read that so I'm, that's gonna be on my it's not a it's not a it's only 200 odd pages it's super good it's it's definitely a brilliant 9.5 out of 10 awesome the third one i would say robert sapolsky's behave um, Sapolsky, if people don't know him, is an anthropologist, primatologist, yep. who's written a bunch of books. He's a bestseller, but it's a thick book, yeah, um, thick book. That's up there. But I'm going to cheat, um, and I'm going to give you four, Go because I'm greedy like that. I like um, uh, Another guy I like is Michael Shermer, who's the editor-in-chief of Skeptic magazine, which is a bi-monthly American magazine, which is worth it, by the way. But he's written several books, and one book is The Believing Brain, about why people are more predisposed to believing stuff at the moment. Um, for example, religions, um, conspiracy theories, and stuff like that. And he looks at it from a scientific perspective. So, Yuval Harari, Sam Harris, and Michael Shermer are probably my three awesome. thinkers that I'm a big, big fan of. I'll link all of them in the, in the show yeah. notes for sure. Yeah. Sorry to cheat. Last but not least, James, where, if people want to find out a bit more about you, if they want to look at your, I know that we already mentioned a few times your website, but where can they find you on social media, website? What's the best way of getting hold of you? Um, Instagram, um, James Collier, R. Newt, so registered nutritionist, R. 
N-U-T-R. Um, on Twitter, I'm uh, James Collier underscore MT, I think. Um, yeah. Facebook, I've got a page, um, like a like page, um, James Collier Hill Registered Nutritionist. Um, yeah. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, there, there's uh, there's the website jcreason.com there's about me page huel um com. obviously there's, if people want some really good information on nutrition it's not just about your nutrition on there by the way there's a lot of nutrition yeah yeah we, we want to be seen as experts in nutrition in general not about just pushing our product brilliant absolutely brilliant well james it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast yeah, i've really enjoyed myself Helder. Thank, thank you for taking your time I, I do think there's a lot more in you that we can talk about yeah, lots to talk about myself, Helder. That's fine. Um, I like that. <laughs> but you're a very interesting character, uh, James. So I think I think people love to listen to, to to this podcast. But I think there's more to come from you. Okay. So maybe we can do another one in the future. Absolutely, I'd love to. Pleasure. Maybe face to face. Hopefully, when this COVID situation is done, and if yeah. we can get get down to the to the hub for a training session, we can maybe record one face to face. If not, it'll have to be with my. You will, you can you have to give me one of them. I want to heal one. <laughs> yeah, I think we only made a face mask. I think we got rid of them. If we've got any left, I'll get you one. Actually, you know what? I wanted to um, maybe have a chat with you as well about having some of your products in the in the hub. Yeah, we'll 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 sort it. We'll have a chat about that. Yeah, we'll have a chat because I think my clients will probably uh, yeah. be keen on looking at that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll sort something out. We'll, we'll message afterwards. Top man, listen. Thank you for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Okay. Uh,